In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Going to change things up just a little bit this week instead of getting a ship review because ships haven't sailed actually as of this weekend in a, a year, 12 months. So we have that going for us. Sherry Laskin here with CruiseMaven.com is here with Cruise News. And our buddy Tommy Casabona from the Always Be Booked podcast is going to stop by as well. Don't forget Cruise Radio News Monday through Friday. Just pick it up where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just type in Cruise Radio News or slide your little mouse over to YouTube.com. Also doing it in video form. All right, Sherry Laskin with CruiseMaven.com. Hello, Sherry. Hi, Doug. One cruise line has had enough, and they said they're going to look to home port in Cozumel, possibly. Yeah, so a few weeks ago, we mentioned that Cozumel was putting out the welcome mat to any cruise line that wanted to home port on the island. And in case people aren't really familiar, Cozumel is located off the coast of Mexico on the Caribbean Sea. And now it appears there might be a taker. Royal Caribbean and the mayor of Cozumel are reportedly having conversations about Royal basing a ship there. And it was last week that Royal Caribbean announced that their new Odyssey of the Seas would be moving to Haifa, Israel, instead of Rome for its debut. And for the first time, Grandeur of the Seas is scheduled to move to Barbados at the end of this year to do Southern Caribbean cruises. So it's, it's like they're home porting just about anywhere right now. But back to Cozumel, Royal Caribbean is pretty tight-lipped and noncommittal at this point. And they're revealing nothing. But according to Cozumel's mayor, however, he did hint that there is a cruise line that might home port there as soon as this April. You know, Royal Caribbean's probably saying, damn it, mayor, why'd you open your mouth? Yeah, <laughs> people are going <laughs> to. Well, as soon as we see it, it open to book, right, we'll know it's for real. Well, you know, and there are uh, we were talking about it last week with Stuart, but there is lift going into Cozumel from Miami, from Dallas, and the airport there, they have a nice infrastructure, plenty of planes. So personally, if there was Cozumel cruises on Royal Caribbean, I'd be on the first plane down. I'm ready to get back to sea. I know you wouldn't be because you don't fly, but maybe there's a ferry boat you can take or, or drive your... <laughs> Take, take your yeah. uh, your uh, car down to, what is it, Playa del Carm or something like that, and the ferry over to Cozumel? Sort of like that, yeah, but it's a little circuitous to get there. Yeah, well, but, yeah I need a ship to get to Cozumel, yeah, basically. Exactly. Uh, so speaking of Cozumel, a Gulf Coast port is about to receive a big ship. Yeah, so like you said, speaking of Cozumel, Royal Caribbean is going to send Allure of the Seas to Galveston for the winter and spring season uh, coming up November of next year. The ship will dock at Royal's newly built cruise terminal, and that's scheduled to begin construction in April and open in the fall of 2022 from Galveston. Allure of the Seas will set out for seven-night Western Caribbean cruises, and ports that it will visit include Roatan over in Honduras, Cozumel again, and Costa Maya, Mexico. And here's one for you, Sherry. One cruise line is giving away a transatlantic voyage for two. I know, and this is exciting. So little backstory along the lines of, if you remember Royal Caribbean's movie in 2018 called Like Father that starred Kelsey Grammer, that one was filled aboard Harmony of the Seas. And now Cunard's Queen Mary 2 was the backdrop for the new movie Let Them All Talk. 
and had an all-star cast of Meryl Streep, Candace Bergen, and Diane Weist. So to pretty much to pique viewers' interest in a transatlantic crossing about Queen Mary II, Cunard is offering a sweepstakes to win an eastbound crossing in the same Queen's Grill duplex stateroom that was occupied by Meryl Streep's character in the movie. So you have until March 31st of this year to enter. And yes, I did enter the sweepstakes. And I also watched the movie. If anyone is old enough to remember the movie My Dinner with Andre, well, Let Them All Talk is sort of like My Dinner with Andre, but on a ship instead of in a restaurant. And again, the title, Let Them All Talk, sort of gives it away. (laughs) Have you seen it? I have not seen it, but after that stellar review you just gave, very glowing, by the way, I might watch it on the road trip. Yeah, I mean, it it was fun to watch. Candace Bergen, I think she's awesome, and she really stole the show away from Meryl. But, you know, it's it's a talky movie, and I'm not quite sure what the point was, except, you know, I was, you know, I was hesitant to watch it because, you know, like you said, this, you know, for me, Queen Mary 2, I didn't want to have to watch it and not be on the ship. It was just, I thought it'd be mm-hmm. too painful, but it was actually fun. Cool. You know, and, and for a lot of people that have never seen Queen Mary 2, they did have, they had all the right angles and all the right shots. And um, it was very enticing. They made the conversation, they had corrections. So they distinguished between a boat and a ship and a cruise and a crossing. So they were really trying, you know, subtly sell the idea of taking the Queen Mary too, which I think is wonderful because that's my transportation. I don't want to see it disappear. You know, it's always cool though, when you see a movie and you, you recognize parts of it. Like for me, going back to like Home Alone, Lost in New York, when you're that scene when he's in LaGuardia looking like, oh my gosh, New York City. Like I remember thinking that like, that's where Macaulay Culkin was when he did that for Home Alone. <laughs> so it's cool when you could kind of resonate. And with you, you're a huge Cunard Line fan. So it had to be really cool seeing all these spots. And you were like, I've had a cocktail there or whatever. Oh yeah. They did this thing in the Commodore Lounge up, uh, you know, which is where I usually go for sail away. And then they they did another scene in the Champagne Bar, which is where I have my final night at sea cocktail. I get a champagne mm-hmm. cocktail, so you know it was it was fun to relive it. Luckily, I didn't blab to anybody that was watching it with me because <laughs> I know that was oh why was there you know you don't want to hear that right. when someone else is in the room. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> you know, was, they, they they filmed that over two weeks in August of 2019, which I didn't know until recently. Yeah, at the end, they thanked the uh, the passengers and the crew for their cooperation and said it was filmed August 19th, mm-hmm. 2019. Very cool. And Port Canaveral continues to gear up for the arrival of Carnival's megaship Mardi Gras, whenever that happens. Yeah. So a new tug and bunker barge, and the name of this vessel is QLNG 4000. It arrived at the first LNG cruise port in the United States. Last week, Port Canaveral welcomed the barge built specifically to haul liquefied natural gas and transfer the cleaner burning fossil fuel from ship to ship. And the nickname for this QLNG 4000 is shortened to Q4K. The new barge will provide the fuel to Carnival Mardi Gras, and that will be the first cruise ship in North America to be powered by the liquefied natural gas. Bunkering will take place during embarkation and debarkation, and they figure it'll take between six to eight hours to fuel Mardi Gras. The barge will then travel to the fuel distribution facility on Elba Island in Georgia, 
And this is where it will go to refuel each time between Mardi Gras bunkering at Port Canaveral. The barge can carry up to 1 million gallons of fuel, which is enough to supply two cruise ships departing on seven-night cruises. Kind of adding on to what we talked about last week regarding Alaska, it looks like there might be a little glimmer here for the 2021 season. Actually, there might be a little more than a glimmer if this law gets passed, but we're talking about uh, Carnival Corporation helping them out up there. Yeah, well, let's just figure that the Alaska cruise season is slowly fading from sight, but of course, we'll keep our fingers crossed. But in the meantime, Holland America and Princess plan to offer another way for people to visit the 49th state. Both cruise lines plan to literally open the doors to their Alaska hotel properties this summer. So from May 28th through September 6th, guests can fly to Anchorage and head to Denali National Park and have a choice to stay at Princess or Holland America's Alaska Lodges, or they can continue north to Fairbanks and stay at Holland America's Westmark Hotel. Kenai Princess Wilderness Lodge at the Kenai River will also be open, and the cruise lines will hitch up their rail cars to the Alaska Railroad, and they're going to offer escorted and unescorted tours that range from five to seven nights. Tours will be offered in the Kenai, Anchorage, Denali, and Fairbanks, and uh, Gray Line Tours is getting involved. So from Anchorage, there's going to be Porter Glacier Cruises uh, five times a day. And one of them will stop at the Alaska Wildlife Conservation Center. And a little quick story from Virgin Voyages here. Yep. On a side note, earlier this week, Virgin Voyages named their third ship, and it's called Resilient Lady. The new ship is expected to debut July 1 of next year, 2022, from Athens, Greece. Perfect timing for International Women's Day earlier this week. So, uh, yeah, very cool. It's crazy, right? Because third ship being built... The first one hasn't even sailed yet. It's, well, yeah, they're on a time frame, that's for sure. Yeah, got, Try and stick to it. Yeah, you got to give them that. All right, listener question is from Marty. Email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. He says, can we talk Carnival stock shareholders onboard credit? He said, so you get $250 onboard credit for 100 shares. If you have 200 shares, is that double at $500 onboard credit? What's the limit or is there? Well, Marty, I'll break it down as best as I can, straight from Carnival. So, as you said, if you own 100 shares of Carnival Corp stock, you'll get an onboard credit for your cruise. But the amount of onboard credit is based upon the length of the voyages. So, for example, if you own 100 shares, because that's the minimum, a cruise that's six days or less, you'll get $50. Seven to 13 days, you get $100 and 14 plus days, then you get the $250 onboard credit. If you happen to have a back-to-back sailing and it's 14 days total, you will get the amount equivalent for a 14-day cruise as long as you link your two bookings together in Carnival's system. Don't book two separate and then figure you'll get the 250 You would only get 200 And you have to complete paperwork to request the onboard credit, and it has to be done three weeks within three weeks of departure. So what's the limit? It doesn't matter if you have 100 shares or 1,000 shares. The onboard credit stays the same. But there's no limit to how many times per year you can request your shareholder onboard credit. So, for example, if you have 10 cruises scheduled for the year, As long as you complete and submit your paperwork, you'll get the appropriate amount of onboard credit for each cruise. 
And just a side note, when you submit proof of owning Carnival stock, it has to be the most recent quarterly brokerage statement. And be sure to black out your account number for security reasons and make sure that your printed name and address is visible. And I'd also said in, in like little asterisk, Carnival recommends sending the information by fax rather than by email. I love it. By fax, huh? Gosh, why don't you send it by uh, Carrier Pigeon or Pony Express if you're doing that? Yeah, yeah. They said something to the effect of email is notorious for getting lost. So we prefer fax or the U.S. postal system. We'll just leave it at that. We've been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. You're listening to Cruise Radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Top industry stories from around the world and how they'll impact your next vacation every weekday morning on Cruise Radio News. So occasionally we like to check in and see what our listeners are up to during the shutdown. And joining me today is Tommy Casabona from the Always Be Booked podcast. Hey, buddy. Hey, Doug. What's going on? How you doing? Good, man. How are things up in New York? Is it still chilly up there? Yeah, it's still chilly today. It was one of those real New York days where it was like, you know what? You get the chill and then you get that wind that just goes right through you. And, uh, you know, they usually the, the winters don't usually end without a couple of good one, ones of those. So hopefully we'll make it through. Where are you, Brooklyn or Queens? No, I'm in Long Island, about eight minutes from Queens. Uh, OK, so I brought you on just to have a candid conversation here about the cruise industry and, you know, kind of some cruise aspirations when things get fired up again. So we'll jump right to it. How many cruises have you had canceled during the shutdown? Yes, Doug, I had two. Unfortunately, I had the 2020 cruise November on the Magic. That was going to be our group cruise and then a celebrity summit in June. I'm probably going to be looking at the same fate with that cruise I have booked at the end of August, too. Uh, not to be uh, cynical, but I don't know. It just it doesn't seem a very uh, – I don't see I'm optimistic about it. Sailing celebrity is a diversion for you because you always do like Carnival or Royal. Did you get like a killer casino deal there? No, you know what? I was working with UR Compt, uh, so I was kind of seeing what they had over there and – it was out of New York as well, just kind of being in New York. I hadn't tried anything outside the big three. So, yeah, I did take advantage of that uh, particular offer they were throwing at me. What do you look forward to the most once you make your return to cruising? What I always go back to, Doug, is the little things. Some might call them mundane. Uh, I can't wait to unpack when I get in my room and just know that this is home for a week. I can't wait to run around the ship and tour it and look through every end and kind of make little predictions of where I'm going to be on day two, where I'm going to be on day three. I have a kind of like a little bit, bit of a, I guess, what would you call it? Like a, 
Well, you know, uh, something I, I, a creed that I hold hold dear to my heart is that you never predict a cruise, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you run around these ships and you figure, you know what, that's probably where I'm going to be doing most of my, you know, five to seven o'clock boozing, and uh, mm-hmm. this is where I'm going to, you know, be doing my day drinking or you know, whatever it is. I'm just running around the ship predicting where you're going to be. I just like touring the ship and you know everything that comes with the mundane details of cruising. Break this down for me then. Are you more of a on the whim person? Like you get the layout of the ship, but you can never predict a cruise. So are you a planner? Yeah, see, I'm glad you asked. I do predict. I do plan, I should say. I plan to make a day-to-day kind of like itineraries, but in any way, shape, or form, I am ready to uh, deviate from that plan. You know what I'm saying? I I love being around the pool. I I always look, what's our spot by the pool? What's that going to be? You know, just Every single thing. What, what else am I going to do? I, I just want that constant reminder that you're in the ocean. You look over this, you know, the side of the ship, and you see the horizon going up and down. These are the things that uh, I'm really going to be looking forward to getting back to. True, but given that it's been so long between cruises, will you do anything different the first time you get back on board? I can say that when I get on a cruise for the very, very first time in what is my largest absence to date of any cruising, what it's going to be is everything's going to be a celebration. I'm going to celebrate crossing that threshold. I'm going to celebrate that sail away. I'm actually going to celebrate getting ready and going to dinner, which mm-hmm. is crazy. I'll be, I'll be saying that, but look, it's our first getting ready and going to dinner, <laughs> uh, back from the hiatus, going to the gym, uh, everything that was once considered kind of just some of the run of the mill things is now going to be just an absolute, oh, here we are. We're back doing this. We're back doing that. So looking forward to the celebrations. Because there is such a high demand for people getting back to sea, we could see higher prices at first, maybe. Um, Are you willing to pay those higher prices or will you say, you know what, we're going to sit it out for a little while? Yes, I will absolutely suck it up, definitely. And I will have no problem paying a little bit more for the first one. But as for more, we got to take things how they come. Based on the experience that we do have, I'll probably proceed from there. You know what I'm saying? If there is a bunch of crazy protocols, and we all have to manage that. We have to expect uh, changes to our, our uh, you know, and I'm, I'm going into my next cruise managing those expectations very, very carefully. But uh, the evaluation after the cruise, was it that much of an impact on the cruise, the actual vacation to where I want to pay that top dollar again. So we'll figure that out after the cruise happens. Okay, so you mentioned protocol. So what are your thoughts of a rule in place that everyone needs to be vaccinated? Just your personal opinion. I personally have no problem with it. I know it's a very, very touchy subject, very, very touchy situation. But look at all the industries. Look at look at what they've been through. You know what I mean? They have to kind of act as prudent as possible to get themselves back to see. They have to work with the CDC. They have to work with their loyal guests and everything. So they're in a tough spot. So I don't I don't want to get political or anything like that. It's, it's a very, very polarizing topic. I'm glad to have the vaccine, but I have absolutely no issues with anybody who takes a stand and thinks that they shouldn't have to have the vaccine. But if you're asking me directly, do I blame the cruise lines if they do put that policy in place? I personally do not. There's so much to unpack with the whole vaccine thing. I'm just curious. So do you think that people will say, you know what, if I have to get a vaccine, cruising isn't for me? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it will impact because there are a lot of people out there who are very, very hesitant to get the vaccine. So, yes, it is, like I said, a polarizing topic. So I think you're going to have a good amount of people. You see it in the groups all the time. I have my own group and people, you know, you see I'm not getting on a cruise till I don't have to take a vaccine. I'm not doing that. I'm not a sheep, this and that. I have zero problem with their their standpoint on that. But, yes, I do think there will be enough people that will sit it out. Uh, based on having to be forced to have a vaccine and it probably will impact, you know, I guess, I guess bookings, but I guess we'll see. There's so much up in the air. I would love to, I, I would love to throw that question back at you because you're in the mix. You have your finger on the pulse of everything. I know it's all speculation. I know nobody has any clue, but, but what do you think? My own personal thought, but just the ramblings and the calls I sit in on, I think it's heading in that direction. Uh, yeah, totally agree. If one does it, they're going to all do it, right? Because it's all, you know, like the whole, the North American brands are kind of all banding together right now, sharing data across lines or boundaries, whatever you want to say, you know, what's working over here for Royal Caribbean. They're sharing data with Carnival, Carnival sharing data from Costa and Aida with Norwegian. Like there's a lot of data sharing going on. So I'm thinking that if one cruise line, I could be totally wrong here, but if one cruise line goes the vaccine route, it's going to set the precedence for all of them. Yeah. At least in North America. Exactly. And I and I get a lot of heat. I lose listeners by the uh, week just because I am a little cynical. I take the approach, listen, we're all adults. We don't have to make up stories and say, yes, any day now, we're going to be on a cruise ship. I, I just see reasons to believe that, you know, I just, I need to hear more chatter, more direct information on the positive side for me to get more excited about mm -hmm. cruising coming to America anytime soon. If ships weren't able to go anywhere but their own private islands, so like Carnival would have to go to Half Moon or Royal to Perfect Day, would you be okay with that? Yes, absolutely, especially for the first couple of cruises. Now, I like to do three or four cruises per year. I may not be a three or four cruises per year guy anymore if that happens, but I would absolutely welcome to get on a ship going to any private island, and I definitely still do one or two cruises a year under those conditions. I want to talk about the onboard experience just for a second and go back to that. There is a possibility, because Carnival kind of leaked this out, that you may have to have a reservation in order to hit the casino. Would that bother you at all? That would be an issue. Would it bother me? Yeah, it would affect me, definitely. Part of why I like to cruise is because the freedom of it to kind of just float around the ship and do whatever you want to do. Also, very often when I do find myself at a blackjack table, it's because, you know what, I have that little light bulb. I was like, you know what, tonight's the night. We're going to do it. Tonight I'm feeling lucky. Let's go sit down. Now, does it always work out that way? Hell no. But I, uh, that's usually my mindset. It's usually a – the casino for me is a, usually a very, very spontaneous thing. So you said that's been leaked out. I find that very, very interesting. My question, you may, you may not have the answer for this, but uh, do you think that would mean an end time too? Yeah, that's a good question. Like Carnival, all they really said before they rescinded that information was possible reservations at the casino, in the pool, etc. Got a ton of pushback. And I think they're like, oh, crap, we shouldn't release this just quite yet. A little premature. So they pulled it back. But I don't know, man. And, you know, it goes back to like what Richard was saying the other week. You know, if you do it on loyalty, okay, that's good and all. But... What if you you go on the ship and you, it's your first time with the cruise line 
and you have thousands of dollars to spend, but they're not going to let you in there because they're going to let their loyal, you know, their loyal gamblers or casino players, whatever they're called, in there instead. I don't know. There's a, there's a balance there, right? There really, really is. And what if you got a, uh, you know, eleven fifteen p.m. appointment in the casino because they're expecting just by, I guess, whatever it is, rules and regulations as to when people leave, or just their, I guess, general idea of when they think things will open up. What happens if everybody's on a roll and nobody wants to get up from the table? If I'm on a roll and I put in five hundred bucks and I'm looking at thirty five hundred bucks and I'm on like a like a upswing going up, and you tell me I got to get out of the table and you know give out give up my seat to somebody else. I'm not going to likely be too happy about that. No, I get it, man. So how have you been getting your cruise fixed? Some have been going to all-inclusive, some doing road trips. Uh, what about you? Well, I have not, Doug. No? That's the simple answer. But uh, I guess, you know, I'm, I've been working a lot now. So I'm doing, you know, 60, 65 hours a week, which is crazy. Imagine, you know, literally doing nothing for, for six, seven months at a time and then going right back into the, uh, right back, right back into the frying pan, into the fire, whatever you want to call it. But not too long ago, as you know, I was based down in Boca Raton, Florida. And, uh, yes, while the quarantine was going on there at that point, when I was living there, I would definitely take as many trips to Key West as possible, which I was kind of, I guess I had that subject come up last time, uh, on my show, I was like, "What? what is the most cruise-like experience? And I kind of equated a Key West trip to that, that because, you know, you go down there and you have what? You have Key Largo, you have Isla Morada, you have Marathon, mm-hmm. and you can make these little stops that are kind of like basically on the water. Yeah. That highway, that, you know, seven-mile bridge and the highway down there that leads down there kind of gives you like a little bit of a feel that you're traveling over water, making stops at different points throughout the Keys ultimately to the crown jewel, which is Key West. And yeah, make no mistake, if you are in America and you want to stay in the continental United States and you want to get you a little bit of island time, Key West is the way to do it. Are you a Kenny Chesney fan? I'm the Kenny Chesney fan. Yeah. He has some good tunes to play with the windows down, rolling down US-1 or A1A, whatever the road is, it goes to Key West. That's US-1 yeah. when you're going down there. That's why they have the uh, ceremonial start of US-1 that goes all the way. You see mile marker one goes all the way up to Maine. But there's so much to do in Key West, man. I can go on and on. I just love uh, Duval Street, Front Street. It's both recreation. It's historical. It's just fun. I mean, and you know, I'm not a big beach person, so they're not mm-hmm. known for their beaches, so it all works out. Earlier, you mentioned that you have Celebrity Summit planned out of the New York City area, and I guess that's because it's close to right where you are. But I'm wondering, if there was a sailing that caught your eye in Florida, would you be willing to travel to the port to get on a ship? I would do a cruise out of Florida. Absolutely. However I got to get there, I'll get there. And, uh, you know, there's just so much opportunity in Florida, whether it's, you know, you just, again, who knows what the landscape is going to look like going forward because all the, uh, you know, the, the lines have been redrawn as far as, you know, how much they can compete with each other and deals. I would always just be like a, I always pride myself on being just a cruise deal hunter and find that deal that just, who knows what that's going to look like going forward. But you have to say it's worth making the trip to Florida if you are a cruiser just because of the competition and the inventory that's down there when you're in that state. Okay, so just for fun, if you could pick a dream itinerary for your very next cruise or your first cruise back, what would you pick? Uh, There's no secret as far as uh, I shout from the rooftops, my favorite island, St. Martin, St. Thomas, San Juan, Aruba. But if you're going to ask me right now, coming off this break and coming off this hiatus, where would I want to go or what I want to do? I'd like to take a nice cruise to Bermuda. Mm -hmm. I've never been there. 
you get a couple of overnights and uh, you could get there out of New York City very, very easily. A lot of cruises out of uh, New York to get to Bermuda. So that would be my choice right now. I would have to say Bermuda. I know you're a big St. Thomas person. Have you actually made it over to St. John yet? I still have not. Really? No, I mentioned it too. The first time I ever went wow. to St. Thomas, we were booked on a St. John ferry day in Trunk Bay, that whole thing. It looked great to us. And, you know, the night before was San Juan, as is usually the case when you're in that Eastern Caribbean run. So we got into it a little bit too much in Senior Frogs. And uh, lo and behold, out of all four of us, none of us uh, woke the other ones up. So we didn't make <laughs> that excursion. And then we ended up on this uh, spontaneous mountaintop tour that was so fun. I mean, it was blissful. And I can't seem to tear myself away from doing that every time I go to St. Thomas. But I absolutely have to, as you would probably attest to, right? There isn't a better place to me, in my opinion, than... You know, going out, you're a Chesney fan too, man. He has a house there and next to Trunk Bay is Cinnamon Bay where he wrote Old Blue Chair, you know? It's like the quintessential Caribbean island down there in St. John. You have to you have to go out there next time you make it, man. I know. You know what I think? I just actually am having this thought right now. I think probably why I like that run so much is why I like cruising so much. It's probably just, I just love to be on the move. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I just go from observation point to observation point to bar to bar and then, you know, I just get nervous because I know myself and, you know, that's important. And I just know I'm not the biggest beach guy. Having said that, I agree with you 100%. I got to make it over there. Really? You're not a beach person at all? Let me correct that too. I love the beach. I just don't, you know, I'm a little bit of a, on the fair skin side. So I, I like the beach when the sun's going down and when it's just oh, a little less, the sun course. is a little, little less angry. Fair enough. I've kept you long enough, man. But before you go, what's your go-to cruise resource? Well, obviously, uh, cruise radio uh, aside, obviously. But uh, I listen, I watch all the usual suspects out there. I like all the stuff. I just enjoy cruise content when I can't be cruising. But I'd have to say, like I said before, I am. Uh, I pride myself in being a hunter of good cruise deals. And I find the best way to do that to where you can really, I guess, narrow down your search is with cruiseplum.com. Have you heard of them? You know what? Richard uses them a lot because they, I think they show a lot of single, uh, single fares. Yeah. You can get a lot of, you can type in single and then they'll show you how you can beat the uh, double occupancy rate. And you can't always beat it. There's varying degrees of if you're going to make basically no fee whatsoever to like, you know what, they knock 40%, 60%, 70%. So it's great for that too. Let's just say you know you want to cruise this weekend, eight months from now, but you know you want one of the stops to be Grand Cayman. You could narrow it down to that, to that fine of a detail. All right, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for giving me a 15 or 20 minutes this evening. I haven't seen you in forever, and we have to catch up. It's been... Uh... What, last January when I flew down to meet you in St. Thomas in San Juan, right? Yeah, that was, I mean, I, I might still be recovering from that trip, but what a great, great trip that was. But yeah, man, we'll have to uh, plan a time to catch up. And uh, you know me, I am never more than three months away from Florida. <laughs> yeah, there is that. We can also do a middle ground trip like Nashville in the summertime. What a great idea. All right, I've been talking with Tommy Casabona from the Always Be Booked podcast. Tommy, thanks for stopping by again, my friend, and catch up soon. Thank you, Doug. Have a great night. It's always cool to get someone else's perspective of what they've been doing during the shutdown and their thoughts of cruising again and how they're looking at it. I'd love to hear from you, actually. If you'd like to come on and have a conversation, drop me an email, Doug, at cruiseradio.net, and we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. 
Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.